Hi, Gateway Church Dartford here. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We trust that what you hear will be a blessing and an encouragement to your journey. Hey, hello. It's really lovely to see you all and welcome. Thank you for coming this morning. Um, Oh, it did snap, didn't it? Okay, we'll see how we get on. Um, So we didn't sing it this morning, but um, recently we've been singing a song at church called Yahweh Will Manifest Himself. Um, In fact, the song that we sang, um, Holy, 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 was like, really fits into the talk as well, so it's amazing. But, um, But yeah, so I thought that I'd quite like to have a look at those six names of God that we sing about in that song, Yahweh. I'm not going to sing it, (laughs) don't worry. (laughs) Yahweh, Rapha, Elohim, Shaddai, Jireh, and Adonai. So I'm sure that you can all agree that names are important, and um, it's something that people take time over when um, a child's been born into the world. And um, in many cultures, including in biblical times, obviously the name would have had a great significance to the time or the place um, or the circumstances of, of that birth. Um, but it's all, it is interesting the other way around as well. And I did a quick Google of a few names from our church. I know you can't, you're not going to be able to see all these quite that clearly, but you trust me on some of them. So I looked up Bookie. Apparently, that's a name um, meaning blessing. Um, and it, it's a short form of the name Bukola, it's, which means added wealth. And it stands for seriousness, thought, intuition, intent, and wisdom associated with remarkable spirituality. So I know she's not here today, but I thought, that really sums up Bookie. (laughs) Amazing. Um, I looked up Joseph as well. He's not, he's in kids' church, but that means Jehovah increases. Um, I looked up Christopher, a variant of, um, sorry, it means bearer of Christ, um, representing the bearer, bearing of Christ in one's heart. And I looked up Janet, um, God's gracious gift. So I thought that was really nice. What's in her name? So using the same Google sort of search engine, which I think is AI sort of generated now, I looked up God's name. And that came up with the words, some of the words that we sing about. Um, Yahweh. Um, Elohim, Adonai, and El Shaddai. So, according to a Christian reference website, the names God or Lord appear about 10,300 times in the Old Testament. So, for the English lovers among you, have you ever noticed that when you read your Bible, sometimes you might read the word God, sometimes it says Lord, Sometimes it says Lord God, and sometimes the Lord is in capital letters. Sometimes it isn't. So, have you ever thought, why is that? So, you probably know this, but the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so, I thought for the geographers among you, just a reminder of where this is in the world. So, Dan, I don't know if you can get that slide. So, this is sort of the Middle East, sort of where we're we're looking at. Um, For the historians... I thought about doing a timeline. 
Then I thought, that might get a bit complicated, actually, so I'll just put the Hebrew alphabet on there instead. So one of the names of God in, that's used in the Old Testament is written down using the Hebrew consonants YHWH. So over time, in English, when we've translated it, we pronounce that Yahweh. It was considered so holy, like God's presence, like his holy presence, that the Jews did not speak it aloud. So that's why when you see in the Old Testament, the Lord in the capital letters, that's the, the translation, how it's been translated into English for Yahweh. So for the mathematicians, um, when the, it's written down in this form about, out of those 10,300 times, it's written down about 6,500 times. So we're talking like 63%. You have to trust me on that stat, but 63%. So, keeping with this thing, for the linguists, just a little bit, bit extra, when it was translated to Latin, the equivalent letters were J-H-V-H. So, that's where Jehovah comes from. So, Jehovah's the Latin translation, Yahweh. It's the Hebrew, the same name. But what does it mean? So, strictly speaking, it could be said that this name, Yahweh or Jehovah, this is God's one true, proper name. It comes from the Hebrew word for being or the one exists. And because biblical Hebrew didn't have past, present and future tenses, it sort of could be translated as any of I am who I am or I will be what I will be or the, I am the one who is. Um, can you, we have the next slide up then, is that all right? Oh, sorry, no, you're right. I'm not there yet. <laughs> um, oh, actually, maybe, well, no. God reveals himself, this name, for himself to Moses in the book of Exodus. Okay, this is the second book of the Bible. And so at this point, I think it's probably helpful to have a quick reminder of the story so far. You know, like there's recaps. So we see God, he creates the world, living animals and people. We see the perfect relationship that God wanted to have with us and the free will he gave us to enjoy that relationship being affected by both our own desires and by Satan. We're told of the history of the early Israelite people from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel, Noah onto Abraham, who became Abraham, and then onto Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and then to Moses. So that's sort of Genesis to Exodus where we are. And then we, we meet Moses. It's a famous story, Moses in the burning bush. And God reveals who, his personal name, who he is to Moses. In this scripture, Yahweh and I am, they're used interchangeably. It isn't the first time it's used in the Bible. It does appear as early as Genesis chapter 2. But this is the first time that God uses it to say, this is my name. So it says, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Because Moses knew, he knew how important the names were in those days. 
And he knows that when he's asking God, what what am I going to tell the Israelites? You know, he needs some real assurance here. So God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, that interpretation, Y-H-W-H, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you should call me from generation to generation. So God's declaring here, I was God, I will be God, I always and I am forever God. And not only is he looking to the future, but he acknowledges the past. And a few chapters on in Exodus 6, God says to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. And both of these claims are recorded in Genesis, going back to Genesis in Genesis 12 and 17, because God had made a covenant with Abram, a covenant as a promise. He said that he'd bless Abram with a place to live, people to live in it, and a promise of redemption for everybody. So at the time, this is quite incredible because Abram was really old and he didn't have any kids. In fact, when he's 99 years old, God, the Lord, appears to him and says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. So in this bit of scripture, this name that where God is saying, what he'd said, we'll go back to Exodus when he says to Moses, I told Abram that I was God Almighty. This is the, sh- the El Shaddai when we're singing that song, Shaddai. So in comparison to Yahweh, remember it about 63%, 6,000 and a half times, this word only appears 48 times, and only seven with actually God in front of it. So the, the root of this word is not that easy to translate. It has sort of various meanings from, ranging from my protective spirit to my destroyer to the all-sufficient one, or even rainmaker. The sort of, the internet interprets this sort of further, kind of like, um, uh, the sort of saying that God is like the all-sufficient one or the overpowerer, because God's sort of saying he purposes to do are all-powerful. Others sort of say the God of the mountain because it was on Mount Sinai where Moses met with God and received the Ten Commandments. So to me, this El Shaddai, it sounds like a powerful, holy God who's in control and he knows what he's doing. And Proverbs tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And perhaps God's name Shaddai is like those attributes of God that might make us think about God with an acknowledgement of our own imperfectness compared to his perfectness and looking at him in awe and wonder like we sang about in one of those songs. It makes sense to me that the most sort of common interpretation of Shaddai is mighty. And then when we put the L on it, it translates to God Almighty. He has the power over the elements, over death and over everything.
So the next two names I want to touch on just quickly, they both only appear in the, the, with the word God in front of them like once each. So the first is Jireh. And I kind of think this sort of links in with this knowledge of God's character as this the almighty one to both sort of be feared and awed. So the phrase Jehovah Jireh is a little bit different in that this is a name that's given by Abraham to God in Genesis, and it means the Lord will provide. So going back to the covenant um, that God made with Abraham, and he was very old, remember God promised him land and children, and they changed his name to Abraham, and that's who this, this is in this, in this bit of the Bible. So he was really old, and he did give birth to a son. I don't know if anyone can remember what his name was. Um, Isaac, well done, Tiff. So can you imagine how precious that son was? So whether we like it or not, we have got to accept that in our Old Testament times, people did make animal sacrifices to gods and to our God as a way to try and make things right in our relationship with God. So the Bible says that God tested Abraham. He said, take your son, this precious son that had been like the result of a promise, your only son who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. This seems a little hard to read, but as a people who now stand in the knowledge of what Jesus, who was God's son, did on the cross, we can see how much more significant this name as God, of God as a provider becomes for us. As Abraham shows his willingness to be obedient, God intervenes and he says, now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. And so Abraham looks up, he saw a thick, in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And, on that, and, on, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the Bible is full of other stories of God's provision. We can know and we trust God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, in our day to day. But know the root word that here Abraham is declaring God himself will provide the lamb, the lamb we sang about this morning, the lamb that was slain. The New Testament declares Jesus as God's son, the ultimate sacrifice. It calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Moving on to Rapha. We learn about Rapha in, in Exodus. We're now back to Moses and the Israelites who've escaped from the Egyptians, have crossed the Red Sea. And um, the lyrics in the worship song that the Yahweh will manifest himself, it says that he'll manifest him Self. And you can sort of see that here because when they go through the Red Sea, we get a beautiful worship song from Miriam and Moses. And then they describe the women dancing and singing with musical instruments. But a few days later, they're grumbling again. They don't have any water. They're saying it's not fit to drink. So Moses cries out to God. And then we see a miracle because um, a bit of wood goes into the water and it becomes fit to drink. And God says, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep to all his decrees, 
I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So Rapha means, something that slide down, um, the Lord who heals. And the Old Testament tells us that this Jehovah Rapha has the power to heal physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And again, when we see Jesus in the New Testament, he mirrors all these types of healings. And ultimately, he offers healing of the relationship we can have with God when we trust in him. So, we looked at Yahweh, Rapha, Jireh, and Shaddai. So, hopefully, you can sort of see that in terms of God's name, Yahweh, it stands alone. Rapha, healer, and Jireh, provider, are both preceded by the word Jehovah, like Yahweh, Jehovah, and Shaddai, the Almighty, is preceded by the word El, E-L, showing, um, so, the, so all those names, they're sort of like direct characteristics of Yahweh himself. So the word El that precedes the word Shaddai, that's a shortened form of the word that we sing about, Elohim, which means God. And so again, this is another word, it's not quite so easy to translate this one. It means lots of different things depending on the context from God, God's in a general sense, to other supernatural beings and even spirits of the dead, as well as to kings and prophets, and as well as to the single deity, Yahweh. This word it occurs more than 2,000 times in the Hebrew Bible, and it gets me excited because although it's understood in a singular sense, it's actually a plural. So, it kind of gives support to that Trinity view of God, the Father, Holy Spirit, and Son, right from the start, because Genesis, this is the word for God that is used, the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. So, Elohim is like majestic, a plural creator. And it was... And it was used because this word Yahweh was considered so sacred that it couldn't be spoken out aloud. So it's used as a replacement. And that brings us on to the last word, Adonai, which was another substitute for, this, for those letters, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. Adonai means Lord or Master. But it was sort of more of a title used to show sovereignty rather than a name as such. But it's still helpful for us to think about Adonai in two, two ways. Firstly, like Chris talked about recently, we want, we want to recognize God's authority as our king and master in life. It's one of his characteristics. But secondly, we also kind of need to get that, this understanding behind this word that's referring to God without actually saying his holy name. In fact, even today, um, Jews when they read Y-H-W-H in, their, in the Hebrew Bible, they will still read aloud and say the word Adonai in, because, because the letters are too, too holy to say anything else. So I guess I wanted to ask ourselves, well, why is it then as Christians that we can say Yahweh? From the moment that God speaks his one true name of Yahweh to Moses, and reminds him of the covenant that he made with Abraham. We see then through the rest of Exodus how God renews this covenant with the Israelites. 
Yahweh is the God of relationship. He says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then a bit later, God describes himself directly. He says, the Bible says, Then the Lord came down and in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. Have you got that slide, Dan? Thanks. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. So this, this name Yahweh is a name is most closely linked to God's redeeming acts in the history of his chosen people. It's used to both show his holiness and the fact that he wants to have a personal relationship with us. And here, Yahweh shows us this, the foundation of this covenant is grace. He's a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. And this covenant is for us. The Bible says that this Yahweh is peace. Yahweh is righteousness. Yahweh is justice. Yahweh is the one true God. Yahweh is king. Yahweh is shepherd. Yahweh is so holy that his name had to be spoken as Adonai. This makes it easier to understand why Jesus, whose name from the Greek form of Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, when Jesus says, before Abraham, who we talked about, was born, I am, can understand how clearly blasphemous this statement would have been to those listening. He was saying, I am equated, I am the one true God. And that's why we can call, that's why we can sing Yahweh through Jesus. Jesus asked one of his disciples, who do you say I am? And I think that's what I felt God wanted me to bring this morning to us, to ask us as a church family, who do we say God is? Do we look at God as Elohim, the creator? But maybe just that, yeah, believe in God. There must be some kind of external, eternal being. Is that it? Or maybe, do you know him more like the almighty, but perhaps more in a way of someone, a God to be feared, and one who makes the rules that maybe we don't particularly want to follow? Or maybe we've got a, a focus on wanting to know God as just a provider or a healer, more of like the sort of magic prayer genie in the sky. Or maybe we do need to rely on him more as our healer or provider. Do we, as a church, do we think of God 
as a king or a master that's got to be obeyed, or as too holy to even approach him and call him by name. And I kind of want to ask you about your friends and people that you know. If you ask them to describe God, which of these characteristics would they pull out that they would think's got the biggest percentage of what God's like? Would it be the one that the Bible shows us has got the biggest percentage of Yahweh, God, relationship, and grace? I feel like I'm quite passionate at the start of this new year. I want to remind us about God's covenant of grace to us. That we can and that we would want to know him as Yahweh. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving us when we go our own way. We need, we need to be ready to tell other people about God. So therefore, we need to know who he says he is. We need to understand this history and why who Jesus was and what he said and did fits in. We need to understand how his death fits into that bigger picture. Thinking about the holiness of Yahweh and the almightiness of Shaddai, of sacrifice and God as provider. The holiness, um, sorry I said that bit. Um, why, why do we need a saviour to understand Jesus' healing and how that fits into the context of God as Rapha, healer? To recognise that Jesus was there before Abraham at the beginning of the world. He was there as creator God, Elohim, at the start of time, part of the Trinity with the Holy Spirit. The song says that if we worship, God will manifest himself. Have we got the Holy Spirit to help us in that? We, we need to know that we can confidently sing out Yahweh's name because of Jesus' death and sacrifice. It brings us back into that perfect covenant relationship with our creator, our one true God. And so I just felt like I'd like to pray for you today. Um, the start of the new year as a church, let's recovenant with this God. Um, so, I'm just if you want to stand, you can. If you want to come forward, you can. Um, but I'm going to pray for you. So, I mean, if there's anyone here that doesn't feel that they know God in that personal way, then I'll just pray that you would think, I want to know who this God is. Wow. Some, one of the verses I read, you know, reminds us the veil, the curtain is torn from the top to the bottom. We can have a relationship with the personal and living God. But just for all of us, I just pray that we choose today as an opportunity to recommit afresh. As church family, let's remember the covenant that God has made with us. We're his chosen people. We are that royal priesthood that is talked about. And because of that, <clears throat> we can sing Yahweh. I pray for us. I pray that we'll be a people to worship him, to seek him, to call him. And that we would see him manifesting in our lives through his spirit. 
that when we worship, we will be confident that we can sing out the name of our loving God, Yahweh. Yahweh, who is Rapha, who is Elohim, who is Shaddai, Jireh, and Adonai. And I just want to finish from, with a verse from the New Testament. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great, high, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. <clears throat>